When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship. On this episode, we have a special treat. The absolutely amazing Andrew of Pipe Man Studios, the guest of the Two Veterans, One Girl episode, has graced us with his musical talents. Right here, right now, we are going to debut our new music for the show. It is all of my film noir dreams come true. <laughs> it is exactly perfect. that. It's oh. yeah, perfect to debut with today's subject. Yes, thank um, you so much, Pipe Man. Seriously, a million times. Awesome. Thank you. Oh right, when he was talking about how he was theming the music, he wanted it to be about lovers and romance and fun, and then switch it to a filter. Of lovers and seduction. And I'm like, that is exactly who we are, what this show is. And he totally encapsulated that. Love him. And I love Pipe Girl's bread. I'm going to order some someday. But, anyways. Wait, bread? Bread. <laughs> yeah. She makes these beautiful sourdough loaves, like legit, oh, like huge ass sourdough loaves. Pipe Girl's amazing. That. I want that too. I, I was just laughing because I'm like, oh, we're already at the tangents and we haven't even started our show. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Oh, okay. No more tangents. And now we will get on with the show. This is the Two Girls, One Ship podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who's officially 15 hours into her Dragon Age 2 playthrough and can already tell who I'm falling for. Want to take a guess? I feel like I don't know you at all. <laughs> Even if I didn't know you at all is what I'm saying. I would still guess Isabella. <laughs> you just seem like you have to romance her. Yes, big yes. <laughs> Honestly, Isabella's awesome. We get there. We and I'm Bravada, the girl who has been searching for Captain Avery's lost pirate treasure for the past few days. I'm talking about Uncharted 4. Mary Kenny was right. That chase scene was amazing. But for me, the real best part of the game was actually the epilogue. I really, really enjoyed the way that story ended. I'm really sad that it's over, but I loved the way it ended. I'll get there one day. We'll see. <laughs> 
as oh, always. Oh, definitely. I have thoughts on Elena and Nate for sure. So we're definitely going to do that game at some point. Oh, okay. Take notes for episodes in 2023. We will get there. <laughs> uh, and as always, we get up close and personal of our character breakdowns. If you're looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry, lovelies, you are in the wrong place. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks, Sen7, for the spoiler alert. Today's episode is all about feeling alive tonight with Thane Krios from Mass Effect 2. This was to be my last job. I'm dying. Thane Krios was born in 2146, making him about 39 years old during the events of Mass Effect 2. He's one of only a few parents among the squad mates. Zaid is a father, but we don't know if he knows that. And we get to meet Samara's daughters. And unlike most of the other romance options, Thane is among the older squad mates, making him a uniquely mature voice aboard the Normandy. Thane is an assassin, rumored to be the best in the galaxy, and he has been training as an assassin since he was six years old. He is a Drell, a race of reptilian humanoid aliens whose arid homeworld was lost, and now they are forced to share the humid and aquatic homeworld of the Hanar a.k.a. the big stupid jellyfishes. It is an honor for a Drell to be asked to serve the Hanar, such as as an assassin in Thane's case, as the Drell are forever grateful for their salvation and gift of a safe place to live on Kaje, the Hanar homeworld, when their own homeworld of Rakana was dying. The Drell live within a climate-controlled dome on Kaje, but some, like Thane, choose to go out into the galaxy for work or adventure, in his younger days as an assassin, he met his future wife, Erica, right before he was about to pull the trigger. Laser dot terminals on the skull. One finger twitch. He dies. The smell of spice on the spring wind. Sunset colored eyes defiant in the scope. The laser dances away. This is reminiscent of Shepard blocking Garrus from shooting Sedonis in his loyalty mission. Nothing quite like looking at your future lover through the scope of a sniper rifle. But back to Thane. Thane will sometimes slip into memories, because Drell have something similar to eidetic memory, or photographic memory, but it's deeper than that. Drell can easily forget which is the present time, or which is the past. It's so vivid for them. This developed from their old homeworld that was akin to a barren desert on Earth. They needed to remember exactly where they found resources in order to survive. This isn't always a good thing. Like we said, they can slip into memories at any moment, and uh, not all memories are good ones. I always kind of wondered what kind of perfume Erica must have worn, like if he smelled spice on the spring wind all the way from his sniper nest. The moment her sunset-colored eyes judged his actions, his purpose faltered, and he eventually gave up the assassin's life in service to the Hanar in order to marry Erika and start a family. However, with only the skills of an assassin at his disposal, he quickly started freelancing his services to support his wife and small child, Koyat. Thane has taken up a few jobs against Batarian slavers, the Milky Way's resident evildoers and the Batarians paid the Shadow Broker to find out who the mysterious assassin was. They found out, and because they were too afraid of him, they went after his family while he was away. His wife died defending their son. 
Thane left their son in the care of his aunts and uncles and entered what he calls battle sleep to hunt down her killers. Thane and other Drell believe that the soul and the body are two separate entities. When the body and soul are together and work as one, you are a whole person. The soul is the true self, but the body can be used as a tool or to do things outside of your true self. This is when you become disconnected, like when Thane enters his battle sleep. He was in this state until you meet him during his recruitment mission in Mass Effect 2. The elusive man's dossier on Thane tells you where you can hopefully find the deadly drill. Shepard and company travel to Ilium and make their way to a tall tower where the Asari target is hiding out. As you make your way further up the tower, you see bodies fall off of the scaffolding ahead of you. You hear distant sounds of fighting and sudden silences, and encounter a few construction workers who were spared and even protected by the assassin. The establishing character moment comes when you finally reach the top of the tower to find Nasana Dantius, the Asari target, surrounded by her guards. Thane drops from the ceiling and quickly takes out the mercs and shoots Nasana at close range. He then catches her before she can fall, laying her gently onto a console before praying over her body. Shepard and friends are intrigued, to say the least. Impressive. You certainly know how to make an entrance. I was hoping to talk to you. I apologize, but prayers for the wicked must not be forsaken. She certainly was wicked. Not for her. For me. Ugh, I love his voice. <laughs> also, Gareth, you gotta sneak him in there somehow. Thane's <laughs> mm -hmm. is a story of redemption. Like others in the squad, but for him, it's more about redeeming the world in which his child lives versus redeeming himself. After hunting down Erika's killers, he realized he abandoned his son in favor of revenge and decided that the best way to make it up to Koliat was to rid the galaxy of as many evils as he could before he finally succumbs to his disease. Thane prays for himself because he believes he is wicked, but also he needs the strength to keep going long enough to make a difference. It's why he's so willing to join the Normandy and fight the Collectors. A suicide mission for a Drell doomed to die anyway? It's perfect for him, in his mind. Thane's beliefs are unique among Drell, choosing to believe in a polytheistic, old ways of Drell culture, rather than the more modern Hanar or Asari ideologies. This is also how he reconciles his religion with his assassin's career. His body is merely a tool, and it is acting at the will of his employers. He can never truly escape his actions, though, thanks to the Drill super memory. This has led him to lead a very solitary life, where he hardly speaks to anyone outside of family, is very well-read, and hasn't made a friend in over a decade. But this changes when he meets Shepard, if you talk to him enough. Why wouldn't you talk to him <laughs> just to hear him talk? Right? This new purpose for what little time he has left in his life has forced Thane to confront the fact that he wants to say goodbye to his son. He used his contacts to find out where Koliat is, and he is upset to discover that his son has followed in his footsteps and taken an assassination job on the Citadel. Koliat has never received the training Thane did, and Thane's worried for his son. This is his loyalty mission. Shepard accompanies Thane to the Citadel, where you go back and forth talking to people from duck racks to politicians to C-Sec Captain Bailey in order to find a lead on Kolyat. 
You interrogate a nasty piece of work to find out that the assassination target is Joram Talid, a Turian who is running for office and promising to eradicate the organized crime on the station. Not an ideal candidate for an organized crime boss to have around, so the hit gets put out. Shepard and Thane go to the Zakara ward and trail the Turian politician. In a dramatic scene, you prevent Kolyat from assassinating the Turian at the last second and reunite father and son. It's not the best time to say what needed to be said after the long years apart, but Thane doesn't have the luxury of time. You're angry because I wasn't there when your mother died. You weren't there when she was alive. Why should you be there when she died? Your mother. They killed her to get to me. It was my fault. What? After her body was given to the Deep, I went to find them. The Trigger Men. The Ringleaders. I hurt them. Eventually killed them. When I went back to see you, you were... older. I should have stayed with you. I guess it's too bad for me you waited so long, huh? Kolyat, I've taken many bad things out of the world. You're the only good thing I ever added to it. This whole scene hurts my mama heart. But that last line, the truth. It saddens me to know that Thane was asleep from his life for so long, and it took being told he's going to die to wake up and realize his mistakes. Let's all remember to wake up, take a breath every once in a while. A popular phrase I've heard since I became a mother about parenting is, the days are long, but the years are short. I can attest to that, because sometimes I forget that my baby's a toddler now. Make every minute count, like Thane is. I've already cried once on this podcast, and Thane might make it happen again. If you talk to Thane enough, both before and after his loyalty mission, he eventually starts to call you Siha, which is the name of the warrior angels of one of the goddesses in the Drill Pantheon. Whether or not you romance him, he will refer to Femshep as Siha, indicating that he has developed feelings for her. But before we get into the juicy bits, let's take a quick mid-break. Time for some fun facts about our favorite Drell Daddy. Thane was voted IGN's best character of 2010 with IGN saying that Thane was easily the most fully realized character in the supporting cast of Mass Effect 2. Also, Thane underwent the genetic modification of his eyes to better see the Hanar's true language through bioluminescence. This means that he lost some of his lower light spectrum differentiation, though. So he can't tell apart dark red from black, Kind of funny because his optional outfit is dark red, but I guess he'd just think it's black. I just love the thought of him being like, oh, I love my new black outfit. (laughs) Like, dang, that's red. (laughs) It's a sexy red, though. It's sexy red, yeah. And the shades. (laughs) Yes. Well, his name may be inspired by Greek mythology. As Thanatos is a minor god and the personification of death, his twin brother is Hypnos, or sleep. And Thanatos oversaw gentle deaths. Definitely fits the way Thane kills as he is known for precision and limiting suffering. Normally, not when you killed his wife. Also, speaking to Thane as Femshep is the only time the game mentions the Omnitools language translation capabilities. When he first calls you Siha, 
obviously there needs to be some kind of real-time language translator going on, but they never really mention it other than this quote-unquote glitch when he calls you see how. One last tiny fun fact. Thane is also tiny. Drell are in the height range of five foot to five foot nine. So no matter what, Thane is shorter than me. Okay, time to thank our lovely patrons. We now have four hopeless romantics to thank. Toasty, or who actually his name is Thana Toasted. So maybe he's the god that uh, that Thane is named after. Toasty. Uh, Toasty, Apollo, Meiji Moose, and Commander Shanko. Thank you. Thank you so much for being awesome. And thank you for taking the time to find us. I was recently informed that we are not searchable on Patreon. Our podcast, while not technically explicit sexual content, because in that case it's referring to like us posting nudie pics, which is not what we do. However, we do contain adult themes and language. This is why we tag almost all of our episodes with the little E. But what this means to Patreon is that we can't be easily accessible by those under the age of 18. That's fine. That's good. I don't want my foul-mouthed, horny attitude around kids either. What this means for our listeners is that you have to follow the links found in the description or on our pinned post on Twitter, or go directly to patreon.com slash two girls, one ship. All one word, all spelled out. I was going to say thanks also, but you you did it. So I was just going to say thank you, because I figured they heard from two girls, but I couldn't get unmute fast enough. (laughs) Well, and now it's time to tell Thane thanks for the memories and get into the romance for real. I guess you're lucky we came along when we did. It was an intervention by the gods. I would have died in that penthouse. I would have fulfilled my contract. If Nasana's guards caught me afterwards, it would have been a good death. But someone else was pushing to reach the target, forcing me to move faster, challenging me. I had to reach her first. I had no idea you planned to die in there. It wasn't a plan. My body had accepted its death. My mind had been dead a long time, but I met another seer. Few are privileged to meet even one. Quick interrupt. When I first heard that line, I thought Thane was speaking about Shepard. Because, like, my first two playthroughs were FemShep. Someone was pushing me. Someone was making me go faster. I had to reach her first. I thought he was talking about me. What do you think? Oh, I always thought he was talking about Nasana because... Like, the challenge was his, he had to reach her first because that was the contract. And obviously, Shepard, you were going after Nasana because you figured you'd run into Thane mm. once you got to her. And you're also preventing, trying to prevent her from being assassinated for whatever reason. If you're a paragon, maybe if you're a renegade, you don't give a shit. But I always interpreted the someone was pushing me as Shepard, but I had to reach her first is Nasana. Hmm. And then, I, do, I don't know, do you get that line if you're male Shep, though? I don't think so. I think this is... So that was another this thing. Is romance line. I can't find this conversation with Broship. Like I can't find it. Yeah, I think the piano music in the background is signaling that it's a romance interaction. So I think you only get that for Femship. Mm, okay. Usually they play that piano piece when there's like some lovey-dovey stuff going on. 
Well, it'll probably be like late summer, early fall when I finally get here on my bro run. <laughs> but I will keep that mental note in my head. See if I can get this scene with Dane. Yeah, I think it's just romance. But yeah, that's how I always thought of it. Shepard was pushing him harder. Like he had to actually try for the first time in years. And that helped kind of awaken him from his battle sleep. And he had to reach Nasana first because that was his target. Mm. Um, but back to Thane. Tragic Irony is the name of this romance. Otherwise known as Star-Crossed Lovers. The gods may have intervened so that Thane could awaken from his battle sleep, but the love was always doomed. Just like Romeo and Juliet, Jack and Rose, and Buffy and Angel, Shepard and Thane could not live happily ever after, no matter how much they may care for one another. That tragedy plays out in the next game, however, but their joy in finding love is always colored by the knowledge that Thane is on borrowed time. One important aspect about Thane that we will cover more in depth for the Mass Effect 3 episodes is that Thane is a pretty good example of a character that is a whole and valuable person with a chronic illness. Keppel's syndrome is very similar to real-life cystic fibrosis, a genetic disorder that fills your lungs and sometimes other organs with a thick mucus. While there are treatments, the average life expectancy is much shorter than that of a person without cystic fibrosis, and lung issues are almost always the cause of death. We currently don't have a cure for CF, and about one in every 3,000 newborns are born with it. When we meet Thane, he is already near the end of his life due to Keppel syndrome, but he's still able to kick ass and take names even in this weakened state, and does so much good. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough positive representations in any media form of someone with a disability or chronic illness. And while Fane does eventually die, he goes down fighting. It's probably what he would have preferred anyway, rather than the common stereotype of the disabled character dying in a hospital bed somewhere. We get to see him as a hero, living his life on his terms. It would have been easy and maybe more satisfying to have him be cured of his disease, but that would have been the wrong message to send those of us living with a disability or chronic illness. We don't have space magic in real life, and I'm thankful that Mass Effect 2 showed us a capable, strong, resilient, and vulnerable character whose diagnosis did not define who he was. And when he eventually does die in Mass Effect 3, he doesn't let his diagnosis define him there either. Thane will also be very open and honest with Shepard, to a degree not seen with the other love interests in Mass Effect 2. After the loyalty mission, Shepard and Thane will continue to talk. Thane will reveal more about himself and how his wife died, all for context for Shepard, so she can understand how precious this chance with her is. The start of the romance is indicated by this dialogue between the two of them. I confess. I've come to care for you. Perhaps I'm being foolish. We are very different. I'm not sure we know each other well enough to call it love. But I feel something for you, too. Something more than friendship. I've never felt affection for another species. I'm not sure what to do now. We'll just have to figure it out. I look forward to the memories. 
It's so good. I love how mature this scene is. The two hold hands and look each other in the eye, fully present with one another. Fane, being in the final months of his life, also gives everything he says a heavy weight, making his feelings for Shepard all the more important and true. One of Fane's tropes is the atoner, or the character whose actions are driven by a need to repent for past sins. Given his limited time left, this makes the romance extremely bittersweet. They make every moment count, however, perhaps even in a way the other romances do not and cannot. We finally arrived at the romance culmination scene. (laughs) All right, so here we go into another alien romance scene. And once again, they don't want to push the boundaries. With the amazing physical grace and understated strength of Thane, I could picture an almost tango-level seduction. But what we get feels right. This isn't a screw-away-the-stress moment, like with Miranda and Jacob. It's not a nervous lover held close, like Garrus and Tally. It's a man whose heart has been shut down tight for over a decade, finally being reawakened. It's a woman who knows that time is short, but the memories will be worth it. It's a tragically beautiful moment that, while lacking the physical moments on screen, is still powerful. Shep reaches out to touch his face, and he lets her. But he starts to cry, not knowing how to deal with the emotions he turned off so long ago. Passionate words expelling all the truths he has locked away, and a punch on a table because he only knows violence to express anger. Tears streaming down his face as Shepard brings him back to the present, to this moment, right now. A brief but passionate kiss as the camera fades over the bed and fades to black. I've worked so hard, meditated and prayed and done good deeds, atoned for the evils I've done prepared. I consider my body's death and a chill settles in my gut. I'm afraid and it shames me. Be alive with me tonight. Oh my god, what a line. It ranks up there for me. Like Caden's human. Jacob's I want you. Garrus's, yeah, definitely. And now Femshep joins it with the be alive with me tonight. And yes, I have others, but those are in three, so I won't mention them yet. Okay. Keeping in line with the physical romance rating, what we see on screen between Commander Femshep and Thane Krios is a 5 out of 10. There is a kiss which is just a nudge higher than what we had with Garrus, and is right along the lines of what we see with Tally. Really, it would be about a 4.5, because it falls just in between the two, but I'm going to go 5 out of 10 with Thane. It's pretty decent. I think it's implied that they have a healthy relationship physically. Oh, yeah. And also... We didn't really touch on Morden's advice about how drill skin contact with humans can cause hallucinations. So I kind of just imagined Shepard is like 
high out of her mind while it's going down. Oh, okay. So tripping balls <laughs> during sex would... It hmm. depends on what the trip is like, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Sorry. Um. I don't want to go too far down that path, or otherwise Patreon will judge us even harder. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you have thoughts on that? Or do you want me to go into the... I have a lot of thoughts about what it would be like to be on psychedelic drugs while having sex and the way that that would amplify a lot of things. But I feel like that's an after hours chat and not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. On to the romantic goal. Beautiful things. Um, But it may surprise our listeners, given how much I simp for Garrus. Because you know I do. But I've romanced Thane a few times. He's right up there with our favorite bad boy Turian because of how open and honest he is. In some ways, his diagnosis gives him a gift of bravery to be so present and vulnerable with Shepard. Shepard gives him the gift of seeing that he should take advantage of what time he has left to not only make the galaxy better for his son, but also for himself. He spent so long alone. And suddenly he goes from having no reasons to live to having two, Shepard and Kolyat. This is the type of tragic beauty that I can't help but fangirl over. I want their love to work out so badly precisely because I know it will not and cannot. Starcross lovers to a T. Couple this beautiful depth of soul and clarity of purpose with his physical appearance and feats. Drell, as we've mentioned, and specifically Thane, because all Drell were designed after Thane, were made for women to find attractive. The dark, soulful eyes, the deep and masculine voice, the toned and symmetrical physique, the black leather outfit, the overall mystery of him, perfectly executed, just like Nisana Dantius. I almost prefer him now, as a 30-year-old woman, than I did when I first romanced him as a 20-year-old. His great sense of self-awareness, ability to admit his fears, and his willingness to lay it all out and tell you everything he's feeling. I love that. That is sexy. We can all learn from Thane. Be more present. Be more honest. And be thankful for the time you have. No matter how much you get, it'll never be enough. I like to think Thane and Morden are on the beach, across the sea, studying seashells together. I give Thane a 10 out of 10, because I cherish the memories from that romance. I know I'm not allowed to, because I rate sex and not romance, but 10 out of 10 for the romance on me too. Like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's refreshing. (sighs) Yeah. And sad. I love it. For loving somebody who has a chronic illness, it also just kind of like hits extra home for me. I love it. I love Thane, but there is no Shepherd without Vicarian, and there is no Genesis without Shakarian. So I can't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. We uh, all know who you fall for every time. <laughs> I know. And that, lovely listeners, is where we would usually end our show. For this episode, we have a special guest. We are excited to bring on a Thane Mancer, who has been one of the biggest two girls cheerleaders since before we even fully announced we had a show. Please welcome Lena! 
Yay! Hello! <laughs> Hi, guys. Oh my god, you guys. I can't even with this episode. Like, I sat here and was just like, oh my god, I'm not gonna go crying before <laughs> I'm on the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so funny. Oh. Yeah. I oh, mean, good. since the beginning, you were like, Thane episode, I will be there. Give me an episode. <laughs> true. True, true, true. Yep. I was like, I'm pretty sure before we even had the name of the podcast, Lena was like, if you guys do an episode on Thane, I want to be on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You've been in our notes since day one. (laughs) Yep. No. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, and so now you're here and at a crazy time for you. Isn't it like after 4 a.m. right now? Yep. 4 (laughs) a.m. But let's do it. Let's do it. This was my cup of coffee. So. Aptly sized. Uh, that is bigger <laughs> than her face, for those of you not watching. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We discussed a lot of things about Thane. Did you learn anything new? Did we forget to say something that you wanted to mention? Anything like that? I mean, to be fair, I did some research before the episode because I was just like, it can't be possible that I know everything about this drill. And I was just like in disbelief because I need, like, there has to be some kind of gap in my knowledge. But um, I think you covered it, like, pretty much everything. The only thing that I was really surprised uh, by was that that there actually is a real-life sickness similar to Capril syndrome. I Mm. didn't even know that. And that really makes it much more tragic. Yeah, uh, cystic fibrosis... It's really, it's really, really difficult to to mitigate and to deal with. I know at least one person who has had it, and they attributed it to occasionally it'll just feel like I'm sitting in a room and drowning, and I'm like to think that that's what Thane deals with every day. Oof. I mean, it's so tragic. Like, I think Vervada said it pretty well. Like. The tragic irony, this whole love story is just, it hits me right in the fields. It's its not only the relationship to his son, it's its everything about it. It's so tragic. And is it the tragedy that kind of brings you back each time? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask too. <laughs> I think, yeah, probably, because like, I think you've also touched on this, but um, I feel so drawn like the the tragedy of the romance is also like kind of coming with Thane being this really mature guy who really has like you feel like he has complete control over his life not the sickness obviously but um this whole him being so mature and being able to show his feelings and being able to show that he's emotionally vulnerable it's just like that is what i come back for because like i feel like um that is something that is a quality that i search for in real life in like my romantic partners like Mm -hmm. i want you to be able to tell me how you feel what's going on and like the character of thane just does it so good because it would be so off character, I think, if the Roman scene would be like like some 
wild sex scene going on, that would be so off character because of course he's crying. He's had a hard life. I mean, at oh. least the, the last few months were probably the biggest challenge ever. Yeah, when I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, they could have gone a sexy route with him because he is the sexy assassin and things like that. But it also wouldn't fit for him character wise. You know, with Miranda, it fit. With Jacob, it fit. Garrus, I was disappointed in because I feel like he could have been sexier. But it, it for the way in that scene, it fit. And so I'm glad that they did something along the same lines of taking things that work with Dane's character. It fit. It worked. It made me cry. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, I think his, ro like, I think when they go out to write a romance, they choose, like, is this one going to be more sexually gratifying or is this one going to be more, like, emotionally gratifying? And Dane's definitely more the emotional side, I feel like. And I think it's such a good dichotomy between him being like this kick-ass, amazing assassin. Because like that's something I had to keep reminding myself for both Mass Effect 2 and 3 especially. He's like hardly functioning with his lungs and he's still able to do all that. So just imagine how amazing physically he was when he wasn't suffering from Keppel syndrome or he maybe just started having it and it didn't affect him yet. He's still able to do all these crazy physical feats, and yet he's this introspective, spiritual, mature person that you would not expect from someone who knows how to kill people like that. So he's so fascinating. That's what draws, that's what initially drew me. And when I first romanced him, was like, just, I could not figure him out. He's so mysterious, and you really don't know anything about him until you talk to him a lot more. He's, I feel like he's he gives up pieces of himself a lot slower than the other companions, too. So it's more gratifying when you do find that stuff out, too, because it feels like a secret, like it's special. I also feel like um, Thane is such a good example in the trilogy for, like, maybe his romance is a good example for what love can do to a person. Like, I feel like this um, love or the emotional maturity that is in this romance, just, like it changes him for the better and it like opens up this whole new emotional sphere for him and which of course only makes it more tragic and more sad so but i mean um the spirituality is also something i'm drawn to which i don't know why because like in real life in offline life i'm an atheist but I had the exact same thing happen to me when I played Cyberpunk. And it's a non-romanceable character, which is Takemura. But he's also spiritual. And I was just like, he's an interesting guy, this dude. <laughs> we fall for the same people. You know, that's so funny. The same when I played Cyberpunk. And I'm not religious, but I'm like something about, I guess because they it's so ingrained in their personhood. They're not trying to force it on you, but it's also like, clearly such a guiding force in their own life and it's so fascinating You're like what do you believe like tell me about it like I just want to know you know what I mean like you're you seem so peaceful like what's going on there I want to know what that's like because I don't have that in my life at all <laughs> but um yeah I love yeah I totally agree Takamura and I'm sad he wasn't romanceful I think they probably thought he was too old for us but 
they'd be wrong. <laughs> I think when you find somebody who has a devotion and a passion towards anything, whether it be a religion or, you know, I things that you're passionate about, if you can explain that passion and love to somebody else, it'll draw you in and kind of lost my train of thought on that one. But the fact that Thane is not saying, oh, we should convert the Hanar away from the Enkindlers and on to uh, you know, the goddess Kalahira, you know, it's, it's meaningful. And the fact that I can remember the goddess's name, it's like, obviously that impacted me somehow because I can remember it. I think that's something interesting about Thane too, is he's essentially a pagan for Drell. Like most Drell don't believe what he believes. So that is something interesting that I liked about him too, because he's very devout, but it's to this thing that most people don't celebrate anymore or don't follow anymore. So I'm like, Ooh, you're also independent and a, a real individual, you know, you're not a follower. So that's something that I like about him too. <laughs> that I, you know, I never really thought about until I started thinking all these in detail stuff. Like maybe I subconsciously absorbed it in the game but I didn't fully realize that these were the reasons why he seems like this independent person. There's like these little breadcrumbs for his personality and all these different details. Uh, do you remember if you picked Thane on your first playthrough? So keep in mind, my first playthrough of Mass Effect 2 was um, 10 years ago. And also like Mass Effect 2 was the first game of the trilogy that I played. So it was the only Mass Effect game we had at home. And mm. I think... I romance him then after I had passed the state where I was just like, oh, you can romance people in this game. First of all, that's weird. Second of all, what am I doing? And then third of all, look at me now. Like, what the <laughs> hell did they do to me? <laughs> Stay just, away from like, Thane, was... children. <laughs> <laughs> he will he do was... things to you. <laughs> I mean, I romanced him on my first playthrough. I went to Garrus after, and I have a romance podcast now, so that's what Thane did to me. <laughs> oh my god, truer words have never been spoken. Yeah, I mean, I think I picked him because he was just this cool green dude, you know, assassin, mysterious, and I... Hey, sexy I green dude is sexy green dude. Have you ever romanced anybody else, or has it always been Thane? You mean in the whole trilogy? Well, okay, I guess in Mass Effect 2, because you can't really um, romance him in 3. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Right right in the fields. Um, I mean, I think I've romanced Garrus once. I immediately felt like I was like cheating, mm -hmm. and I went back. So, yeah, I don't know. And if you if we're talking like the whole trilogy, after I had picked Thane the, for the first time, I would go like Caden, Thane, Caden, and uh, like in the last game again. But I don't know. I always feel like Shepard was meant to be alone in the first game. Then Thane comes. They they have a good time because it's also like they don't have a lot of time. And then the last game happens and. We all know how that went, so. Mm -hmm. Did you ever play it as where you stayed faithful to him and then the Citadel DLC funeral slash, like, video messages he sent you? 
because you can have these you could say a line in that DLC at the funeral where you're like I'll never love again like a la buttercup from from princess bride and I was like that was that stabbed me right in the heart when I played that one it's like oh god Bane oh no it is so it is devastating really like I cannot play that part without crying we like pain why do we like pain I mean, <laughs> personally, I think like we see that we ourselves have inflicted pain and like feel pain ourselves, of course, because that that's what makes us human. But um, video games give us a room to like experience pain a good way and like in a controlled way, maybe. And then you can like shut off the video game and be like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not crying. Yeah. My mom always used to say Steel Magnolias was her crying movie. And I didn't know what she meant when she said she had a crying movie until like I became a mom and and just need to cry for whatever reason, like all the time. But like you choose your moments to cry. And I feel like, you know, some people have movies or books or shows, but like we obviously have video games where we can like, it's a catharsis. We're like, I'm feeling a lot of pressure from this part of my life and I'm going to go watch the romance video on YouTube of Thane because I know that will make me cry and then I'll get it out. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines from a song that I actually have planned to be a part of a future tattoo is um, I want to live in a world where crying isn't secret. It's the art of how we grieve. I, I love it. Pain and tragedy and hurt. It shouldn't be hidden away and locked up. We need to feel those emotions. We need to process them. We need to get through them. And sometimes, and I've told this to many, many people, that all of my emotion comes out of my eyes. I I will cry when I'm mad. I will cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm happy. I've cried at the peaks of moments. And I can cry at any time. And is brought up in chat that the only time that we see either Shepard cry out of any of the games is at a romanced Thane funeral. And in that moment, it is beautiful. But I also wish that we had seen it at least a few times more. Yeah, I like thinking this is probably a really dumb comparison, but if you've seen Rick and Morty, you've seen the Mr. Me Seeks episode, and they always are like, existence is pain. But like that to me is it's almost like a mantra because I've had a lot of pain in the last couple of years from different things, like physical pain. And it's like, but that means you are alive. Mm-hmm. And that is good. You know, like I can, especially women, you know, we have periods and shit. I feel like we got a lot of pain in our lives just already stacked up. And we just have to learn to deal with it. But for me, it's like when you find the good part about it, because you have to experience pain if you are alive. So I think that's why we like it in some way. We kind of conditioned we have to. Really can't have the good without the bad. Exactly. Because how are you going to know that it's good if you haven't experienced the bad? It was like today when I finished Uncharted 4 and I cried and my kid was like, sad? I'm like, no, I'm not sad. I don't know. I'm just crying because it was so good. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to, why I'm crying right now. It was just such a good story. Like, mm, I don't know. We should all cry more. 
I cried today because we watched Encanto, and of course I cried. And Rex looks over and she Freaking goes, Dos Oruguitas. Oi. That song. If I hear that song, I'm going to cry. Uh, Rex looks over and goes, It's okay, mommy. The movie's not over yet. It gets better. Sweet Rex. Oh my god. I'm sorry if you heard my cat. <laughs> we are okay with kitty cat noises, but yeah, damn, Ollie, that was really loud. <laughs> I never He's hear not even it. in the room. He's not even in the room. My cat is an asshole. My kid's trying to sleep. That cat. Mm-hmm. His meows are so loud. I love him, though. I love him. Is there anything that we missed out of Thane's romance? Or did we cover him pretty well? I think we like talked about all of the key aspects in the romance. When we talk about what would have maybe brought more depth into the romance, I always think about... like I love the romance as it is, but I always feel like... I would love to see more in a way that I would love to see other sides of him because mm. he's this very withdrawn, controlled person. I mean, I would just literally love to see him lose control maybe or maybe I want to know what, what it means for Thane to be funny. I want to know what that looks like. It would need to be on character because otherwise it would be kind of cringy. But I would love to see like a more extrovert side of him, maybe. Yeah, actually, yeah. Thinking about that, there are moments with almost everybody off the top of my head where they break character and laugh and show some kind of, you know, a silly little moment with their lover and... We don't get that with Thane. I would have loved to seen that. I think the only instance where something in that direction happens is when um, you're on the Citadel and you meet Mouse and he just says, like, yeah, you can change your pants in a second. That's, like, the only thing that comes close to, like, in a, mm-hmm. in a funny direction. That's the only thing that happens. Oh, if you bring Thane to recruit Samara... So and then uh, they they talk about uh, giving suicide mission orders. Thane will say something like, "I didn't know we were allowed to ignore those." Your superiors are sending you to certain death for no good reason. You have a right to disobey. We can disobey suicidal orders. Why wasn't I told? That's about twice a day. Most of the time, I'm not being stupid about it. Okay, that's good. I think that's everything. Shit, sorry. I wasn't unmuting fast enough. I was just going to say at his funeral when Edie says that she always tried to make him laugh, but Mm. she couldn't. That made me sad. I was just thinking about him being silly. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. She mentions how he wasn't a silly person because he was trying really hard to change his life. Kolyat doesn't laugh either. I mean, we get very little interaction with him. So maybe it's just not a part of the Drell culture to be frivolous and free. Because he does have a sense of humor if he's able to make a few little jokes like that. I don't know. It's weird. I wonder what it would, how it would change your life to remember that way. You know, and he easily slipped into it. They're too focused on trying to stay present <laughs> to laugh. I just wonder how your life would go. Like what, how that would affect your day to day with a memory like that. There was a line that I didn't bring up 
Doesn't Thane talk about the taste of a lover's tongue? Yeah. Yeah, he does. I'm surprised you actually didn't want to have that line in here. <laughs> I knew he that I was... That. My big clip was going to be the romance clip because I... Yeah. 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 When a memory feels as real as life, it's as valid as life. Thinking about a moment brings back the smell of cut grass, the warmth of another's hand on yours, the taste of another's tongue in your mouth. Wouldn't you rather lose yourself in such a memory than spend the night alone, staring at walls and metal and plastic? Do you guys like Ruby Carr, her poetry? There's a really good poem she wrote about pain that I wanted to share because, oh, she's a great, great poet. But it is, what is stronger than the human heart? which shatters over and over and still lives. And I feel like sums up Thane's romance so well. <laughs> and just star-crossed lovers in general, the uh, viewers of it. We have to watch it. We know what's going to happen. We still, we still love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's everything for tonight. Uh, so before we wrap up the show, is there anything that you want to shout out or plug, Lena? I have nothing going on, but you can always reach me on the Robots Radio Discord. And then you're also in our chats on the live stream sometimes. You are Trantelier, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always thought the name would be somehow pronounceable to Americans or like English speakers. It's called Trenteltier. Because oh. yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a long story. Like, don't get me started. But I mean, I... <laughs> I'm the problem is it. I'm also I'm also too uncreative like to think of anything new. So if you have any suggestions, be my guest. Trantel. It's okay, there are no original thoughts. I believe We're all copying somebody. it's Tom's fault. I'm pretty sure he said it that way once and that's just how it's stuck in my head. But now that you've said it, Trantel Tear. Okay. Alright. This is a lovely place to end the show for the night. <laughs> So if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me in our Two Girls One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel and come give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon at Two Girls One Ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well. And also be sure to check out our live stream on Twitch and YouTube on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes come out on Mondays because you always need something good on a Monday. Check out the description for all the links if you're interested. Thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast available everywhere.